Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. Hey, God bless you, everybody. Welcome to Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And we're your hosts, Matt and Stephanie Garrity. And we're founders of River of Heaven Ministries. And we have a threefold vision to rebuild and restore, equip and empower, and revive and heal. Through these broadcasts, you're going to be touched, rebuilt, and restored, equipped and empowered, and revived and healed. And you're going to be functioning like never before as a kingdom man or a kingdom woman. Amen. Great to be with you today for another episode of Gems for the Journey, Wisdom from the Word of God. And today we're going to discuss the topic of building. Building. You know, in the book of Nehemiah, we're introduced to a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a Jewish man who was part of a generation who lived in captivity. Because of Israel's sin, God allowed a series of world empires to bring and keep the people in captivity for many years as judgment. First, there was the Assyrian captivity. Then they were taken captive by the Babylonians and moved to Babylon. And after 70 years in Babylon, the Medes and the Persians invaded Babylon. And with it, the captives from Jerusalem and Judah were taken. And so, you know, these are the words in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. It came to pass in the month of Shislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire." So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now, in our time right now, you know, there's no denying that we're in some difficult times right now. But those difficult times could either cause people to go to the bars or to get addicted to drugs or gamble until all their money is gone, all these different vices that the world has to offer. Or we can take the posture of Nehemiah that when he had heard and understood that Jerusalem was broken down and the gates were burned with fire, when he heard the words that he sat down and wept and mourned for many days and fasted and was praying before the Lord. See, Tragedy and problems and situations and circumstances should always drive us to the place of fasting and prayer. Now, we should fast and pray on a consistent basis without having to be driven to that place, amen? But whenever there's turmoil, whenever there's problems, especially on a national level, it should drive us to our knees to pray. What else do we know about Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a man of fasting and prayer who was burdened because his home, Jerusalem, was in ruins because Babylon had almost completely destroyed it. We also know that Nehemiah served under the Persian king Artaxerxes. Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. 
he found great favor with the king, so much so that one day Artaxerxes noticed that Nehemiah was sad and he inquired about what was bothering him. And basically he asked him, how can I help? You know, when we have a spirit of excellence and when we serve at our job, when we serve our employer, when we serve in the ministry, whatever area we're serving in, if we serve in a place of from a place of excellence, okay, people take notice. And so Artaxerxes was a foreign king. He was not a believer as far as the Jewish faith was considered, but yet Nehemiah had favor with him. And so Nehemiah's response when the king asked, hey, Nehemiah, what's going on? You, you're normally of a certain stature. You're usually of a certain expression, and you seem very sad. What's going on? And here's Nehemiah's response in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 3 and 5. He says, Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs, lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire? And then the king said to me, What do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Wow. Now, talk about boldness. Keep in mind, they're under a foreign power. They're in captivity. Uh, the, the Jewish people are, at this time, under a foreign power. First, the Assyrians brought captivity to the people of Israel. Then the Babylonians came, brought the, the Jewish people into captivity. But then the Babylonians were overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. And so this is where now Nehemiah finds himself serving under this Persian king, Artaxerxes. And not only does he have favor with this Persian king who does not worship God, who does not worship Yahweh, does not worship Jehovah God, but he has such a audience with the king and the king cares about him so much that he's even concerned about not just his well-being, but what's on your heart. You know, how many of you know that sometimes people who are kings and rulers and things of that nature, they're not always concerned with every servant and why they're having a bad day. But because of the way Nehemiah carried himself and because of the way Nehemiah served with that excellence that we talked about, the king wants to know what's going on. And Nehemiah tells him, O king, the place of my ancestors is in ruins. And I, and I feel like I'm supposed to go do something about that. Please send me to Judah, he says, to the city of my father's tombs that I may rebuild it. And so what's interesting, we know that the word Judah means praise. And so before he actually goes to start the work of rebuilding, notice this, this first thing here, that he returns to the place of praise. I love that. How many times in scripture does it say Judah goes first? For those of us who are inclined in praise and worship and singing and playing, our family is our musicians and singers, and we have a heart to help to restore the tabernacle of David. We are former worship pastors ourselves, my wife and I, and now we're uh, senior leaders at a church in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, named Lehigh Valley Worship Center. Basically, we, any of us who are inclined that way, who are psalmists or minstrels, understand how powerful it is, how powerful praise and worship is, how powerful it is when that Judah goes out first, 
How many times do we read? I think about 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where King Jehoshaphat doesn't know what to do. Again, the enemy is trying to siege the people of God during that time. And uh, there's a word that comes from the Lord through a prophet that says, Do not fear, O king, for the battle is not yours, it's mine, says the Lord. And King Jehoshaphat, as he's in prayer and fasting, he receives this instruction. He understands that he's to send the praisers and the worshipers out first. And we know what happens. The enemy gets messed up. They're confused. They're attacking each other. And it's a great victory. And King Jehoshaphat's forces don't need to lift one finger. And so before we can build anything, we've got to return to the place of praise. And that's exactly what Nehemiah did here. And so regarding uh, in our nation, the United States of America, or if you're listening from your nation and God's called you to be a restorer, he's called you to be a Nehemiah, he's called you to be one that, man, when you think about what's going on in your nation, it breaks your heart and you're weeping and you're praying. You know, some people are just intercessors, but other people, God has not just called you to intercede and to cry and to weep, but that burden would translate actually then into a desire to restore and to do something about it. Amen? But no matter what land you're in, no matter what nation you're listening to me from today, understand that the first step before you can build or rebuild anything is you need to be in a place of praise, or if you've departed from it, you need to return to the place of praise. Notice how Nehemiah is in a place of foreign captivity. Again, it was the Babylonians and then the Medes and the Persians took them over. They're in Shushan, a citadel, the capital of the Persian empire at the time. And he's asking permission for this Persian king to return to the place of praise, to return to the place of his ancestors, to return to that place that they were taken out of because of idolatry. And I'll tell you, there's nothing that will affect your praise and your prayer life, really your, your life in general with the Lord, uh, more than idolatry. If you're in a marriage with someone, husbands, you're married to your wives, or wives, you're married to your husbands, and all of a sudden, you know, there is some form of, of cheating, there is some form of adultery, something of that nature, or, or some trust that's broken, how many know that it's going to take some time to restore that. It's going to take some time to restore that covenant. It's going to take time uh, to gain that trust back. And likewise, when we're in a relationship with God, the marriage isn't over. God doesn't divorce us. But if people fall into idolatry, you know, there needs to be repentance and people need to then return to where? The place of praise. Really, it's you returning to the altar. Just like in your marriage, if something happened in your marriage, it's often said that you return to renew your vows or return to the place of the altar. We also need similarly to return to that place of the altar in a greater measure because the place of the altar is the place of our marriage to the Lord, the place where we made the covenant with God. You know, some of you are listening to me today and I sense by the Spirit that you're in a place that because of the situations and circumstances in the land, instead of fasting and praying for a season, you turn to other vices, you turn to alcohol, you turn to drugs, you turn to pornography, you turn to gambling, you turn to cheating or stealing because the enemy has for a short time thought he derailed you. But I've got good news for you. God is calling you because some, some of you listening are Nehemiahs and God is calling you 
back to rebuild his wall. He's calling you first to return to the altar, to return to Judah, to return to that place of praise so that you might have the strength that you need to rebuild that which God's called you to rebuild. Hallelujah. See, we can't rebuild or build anything unless we have a pattern from the Lord and unless we are fueled by our worship and praise fueled by our adoration of God because in the presence of the Lord, when we praise and worship God, when we're living in that land of Judah, so to speak, in that land of praise, presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. We've got strength. We've got joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. So there's strength. There's joy that comes that you need to build. You need joy and strength to rebuild. And in the United States of America and in your nation, wherever you're listening from, as we stand and we live in that place of praise, as we, if we've been far away and we return to that place of praise, we return to Judah, we return to that altar, we return to the the wedding vows we made to the Lord, or just daily we're renewing those vows with the Lord, even if we haven't fallen into any kind of sin or idolatry. My God, but the place of praise, it will empower us by God's spirit to build or to rebuild. Notice that it was Nehemiah's consistent humility and respect for authority and positioning himself under authority, first under God's authority, and then under the Persian king's authority that caused Nehemiah to walk in the authority of God. There's a whole teaching out there, you know, the the teaching, I too am a man under authority right? Jesus, it says, Jesus marveled at that centurion's faith because he understood authority. He wasn't even truly a believer necessarily until he was coming into that moment when he was talking with Jesus. But the Bible says that Jesus marveled at that centurion's faith. Why? Because as a centurion, he understood that because he was a man under Caesar's authority, that he had authority. Amen. And so again, Authority, as we're standing in the Lord's authority, Christ as Savior and Christ as Lord, that He is ruling and reigning over our life. And it's not just placating, it's not just pretending, but we're literally worshiping Him in spirit and truth. He is literally Lord of our life. There is authority there. So we've got the authority there from the king. We've also got the power and the joy from standing in that place of praise and that place of Judah. And now you're ready to build. You're ready to build or rebuild. It says here that further in Nehemiah 2, 6 through 8, then the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Wow. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river. They must permit me to pass through till I come to Judah And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king, what? Granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. You see that? When you have a heart to return to that place of praise, when your heart is for Judah, when your heart is to be in that land of praise, Even if you're not quite there yet, or even if you've had a rough season, there's favor 
that comes upon your life. And so we see that the heart needs to be a heart of praise and we need to be postured right under the hand of Almighty God, like Nehemiah says here. But also there needs to be faculties granted in order to build. How many know that sometimes you don't have everything that you need completely? And so you need things. You need to have the favor of God because the favor of God will watch this. It will begin to cause people to give unto you. It will begin to cause people to come alongside, cause people to come and to be wanting to be involved in the vision that God gave you. You see, God created all authority so he can move into and through any leader, governor, uh, king, or queen that he chooses to accomplish his sovereign will. Amen? How many of this, again, was a foreign king, but God used this king? I think of Romans 8, 28, that God causes all things to work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He causes all things to work together for good and for his glory. Amen? And so as we continue here in Nehemiah, it says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 15 through 20, so I went up in the night by the valley and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the others who did the work. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. So he's starting to share now the burden. He's starting to share now the vision. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of what the hand of my God, which had been good upon me and also of the King's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, they said, let us rise up and build. See, you don't have to convince people to rise up and build if you are moving in the power of God. You don't have to convince people to rise up and build with you if you are truly uh, being anointed by the hand of God. If God wants that endeavor done, God will bring people around you to do it, and they will understand that you're called to do it. You don't have to beg them to understand you're called to do it. You don't have to convince them that you're called to do it. You just have to state the burden and state the vision and they will say, let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. So people are going to set their hands to the work that God called you to do as a leader. They're going to catch the vision. They're going to catch that burden that is strong inside of you. But watch what there's also going to be. Continuing here, there's going to be opposition. But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build, but you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So listen, beloved, this is very key. You're going to be, your heart is to return. Your heart is that place of praise. Your heart is to be settled in that land of Judah. Your, your desire is to serve under the Lord. You're humble. You, you have permission uh, from, and favor in the land. You've got building materials, all this. You, you've got people who say, yeah, let's arise and build. We're, gonna, we're with you, but you're always going to have opposition. 
to my Nehemiahs out there, I want to speak to you for a minute. Don't you dare let the uh, Sanballats and the Tobias ruin what God's called you to do. Don't you dare let the naysayers convince you it's time to stop rebuilding or it's that you're never going to succeed in doing that work. Don't ever even give voice. Don't even ever give ear to the enemy's voice. Remember, that's what got, you know, our distant relatives, Adam and Eve, in trouble, didn't it? They listened to a non-covenantial voice, and then there was a fall, a big fall. And so reject that non-covenantial voice. Listen for those voices that are covenant voices. Obviously, listen to the Lord's voice, who is the the main covenant voice that you are uh, walking in accordance with. Amen. And you are going to be successful in building. You are going to be successful in rebuilding. Hallelujah. I just want to pray for you right now. I feel impressed by the Holy Spirit. Uh, For some of you Nehemiahs, it's been a hard time. There's been hard situations. There's been bumps in the road. There's been Sanballats and Tobias. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to you that I am reinvigorating you, oh my Nehemiahs. I am calling you forth, oh my builders and my rebuilders, those who are going to restore, those who are going to rebuild, those who are going to strengthen, those who are going to equip and empower my body for the works of ministry. Many five-fold leaders are listening to me today, and you feel that either through the process of the pandemic of COVID or through betrayal or other situations and circumstances that there have been things in your life that, that have wearied you. There have been things in your life that say, am I really called? And you question your calling. But I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to you today, know this day that you are absolutely called. You are called to be a deliverer. You are called to be a restorer. You are called to be a builder. You are called to be a rebuilder. My God, Rashon Brendebo Shandalabasa. And for such a time as this, you are about to see a people surround you. There are people coming from all sides to surround you to say, I'm going to arise and build with you as you tell them about the burden you have, as you tell them about that vision. I hear the Lord saying, revisit the vision, revisit the vision that I gave you. Oh, my Nehemiahs, revisit that burden, that I placed upon you years and years and years ago to pray. And there was a reason that that burden was placed upon you. There was a reason why you felt so strongly and why you wept over it. Because you are called to do something about that situation. I see many five-fold leaders picking up and going back to the callings that God has called you to be in. I see apostles prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who have been on the sidelines that are coming forth for such a time as this, that they're standing up, they're dusting themselves off and saying, you know what? That's absolutely right. I hear you, Lord. I repent for being on the sidelines. I repent for listening to that non-covenantial voice. I repent for giving myself over to idolatry for a season, to giving myself over to those vices that tried to entangle me and tried to destroy my destiny. I see rising up. I see rising up of the fivefold. I see rising up of the Nehemiahs in the land. I see rising up of the Nehemiahs in the United States of America. I see rising up of the Nehemiahs 
in Ireland, in, in uh, Great Britain, in Africa, in Europe, in Australia. Hallelujah. I just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, for your power, for your Nehemiahs are truly coming forth in the nations for such a time as this, oh God. And I thank you, Lord God, that no one's disqualified. Many who have felt disqualified are going to be the very ones that people say, the Sambalats and Tobias, them, Lord? Why would you call them? Didn't you see what they did? Didn't you say they were involved in? They were even, you know, in a foreign land. They were in a Persian captivity. They were, they were in the enemy's camp. They were in captivity. They were in idolatry. But God's restoring you. He's rebuilding you. He's equipping you. And he's empowering you. And I just see him sending you forth this day. Like never before. To go and to rebuild that which he's called you to rebuild. Or to build that's what he's called you to build. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. And may the Lord give you his peace. Remember that you are his Nehemiahs. You are his builders. You are the ones that are called to restore, equip, and empower, revive, and heal for such a time as this. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on Gems for the Journey. And James... 127, Scripture teaches us to care for the widows and the orphans. We take this seriously and are actively involved in supporting widows and others in need on a monthly basis. Together, we can do more. Additionally, our radio broadcasts and podcasts reach all nations, touching lives worldwide. Daily, new listeners hear the gospel, and through these broadcasts and podcasts, Millions have an opportunity to repent, believe, and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Listeners also learn about powerful Tabernacle of David principles through our teaching, encouraging all to worship the Father in spirit and in truth with great passion and purity. Your financial gift of any amount will help us to continue to support those in need and allow us to launch high-quality recorded radio broadcasts, podcasts, and teaching that are available for free to anyone who has internet access. With your prayers and financial support, we will continue to reach millions in our generation and multiply millions in generations to come. Thank you for partnering with us.